God of grace, God of mercy, God of power and glory, God who is with us when we feel abandoned by the world, God who is with us when we feel called to change it, be with us in all of these moments. Order our steps, clarify our minds, be the source of the meditations of our mouths and hearts and in the times when our hearts and mouths and minds go astray. Help us in your forgiveness and reconciliation to try once again tomorrow to be sources of love to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been reading uh, this first Peter letter all month, a letter written by a man who was the rock of the church, who had extraordinary gifts, who also messed up on a pretty frequent and regular basis, <laughs> who didn't understand what was going on, or who said the wrong thing about who Jesus was, or got disturbed about what was happening. Um, we've been reading this letter all month, and we've been reading it in order to think about what it means to be a church, right? Because that's what he's trying to tell these people he's writing to. All of the letters of the New Testament are letters of the first Christians to the first churches trying to figure out, guys, what in the world? What in the world are we going to do? Who are we going to be? What are we going to be about? And turns out we have not solved that question. We're still asking it. But there are some things that we as Urban Village have decided we do want to be about. There are some things we have decided God is calling this church to be. And so that's also what we've been talking about this month. We went through our mission statement a little bit, right? Creating Jesus-loving, inclusive communities that ignite the city. What does it mean to love Jesus? What does it mean to build communities? What does it mean to ignite a city that has been on fire, right? In a positive way, a good way. We talked about being bold. We talked about it being inclusive. And today, we end by talking about being relevant. What does it mean for a church to be relevant? But more importantly, why? Why would we find that so important? We put it in our value statement. I'm going to reverse it a little bit because I actually think uh, I would like someone to prove to me why irrelevant would ever be the goal, right? Well, like, why is it hard to understand why relevancy would be a part of our faith life? Why is it hard to understand why we want to understand where God is Monday through Saturday as well as Sunday? But there are reasons, right? There's a long tradition um, in Christian history, but also just in the world and philosophy and being a human um, of mistrusting connection to the everyday, of mistrusting connection to the world. And it comes from a place that I sometimes can understand. Uh, this is an ancient question of people who are trying to follow God, people who are trying to do this Jesus thing. What does it mean to try and do this Jesus thing and be alive in a world that is sometimes hard in many different ways? And one of the greatest books on the subject that some of you may or may not have read is Richard Niebuhr's Christ and Culture, where he really asks the question, uh, what is the connection? What is the difference? What is the same, right? Christ and Culture. And he names five different ways that people throughout time have answered that question. And the first one is Christ against culture, right? Christ and the world, totally opposite, one good, one bad, it's all done, right? Over. And folks who live into that tend to want to separate from the world, right? They say we have to retreat. The world is full of so much terror. 
The world is full of so much cruelty and injustice. We must go away from it. We have to be somewhere different. It's an impulse uh, that I get some days, right? There, there are some days when the world feels like a place where I can't be the person I want to be with God, um, where the world feels like a place where there's just too much hurt. And I, I want to retreat, right? I want to go and create a world that's just for me and mine, where we do it right, where it's all good. But there are some problems with that impulse. Um, when I first converted to Christianity, I was in that, you know, kind of like on fire, like the first bloom of conversion. I sort of assumed, like, uh, you have to be a monk to be a good Christian, right? Give up all your stuff, pray all the time, do all the things. That's the way to do it. You know, I looked back on these first monks who withdrew to the desert, the Desert Fathers, and I thought, oh, I'm such a terrible person for not being able to manage it. Oh, there's so much wrong with me that I want to remain connected to my family and friends. Why can't I do what Jesus tells me to do and, like, be the bold, bright Christian? This might just be a me thing, but I'm sharing it with you. I don't know if anyone else has felt that. And I found this enormous sense of relief when I started to read some stories about their lives and realize that, in fact, no one has ever been alone in perfect faith. That's not a thing. That's not a thing that has ever happened. The Desert Fathers borrowed seeds and rakes and hoes from the communities that surrounded them. Someone had to buy their bread, right? Someone had to walk in the resources to their communities. There is no such thing as being totally separate from the world. Uh, there's Walden. Right, Thoreau's pond, going off, living in a life alone of strength in the woods. There's a lot that's wrong with him that we can talk about later. But um, so you know, someone once pointed out in one of his essays, the most important part of the essay, uh, that's all about being alone and being strong and like finding yourself in nature, is uh, I went on a trip to go fishing to like make my you know to like fish my own fish and be myself, and I borrowed a rod, and then it goes on and tell the story. To borrow a rod, someone else is around, right? Someone else is around. The alone thing, it's not a thing, right? It's not real. And here's the second problem with separating from the world, is that um, we remain humans. We remain flawed and hurt and more annoying than we want to be and more combative than we want to be. And if you go off with your three best friends to create that perfect Christian community in the desert, guess what? You're still stuck with yourself, <laughs> right? You're still stuck with yourself. Um, and it won't be perfect. And it won't be the kingdom. And that's a part of life. That's not something to be scared of or to reject. That's a part of how it is. That's a part of the beauty. But Niebuhr names another pole, kind of on the opposite side of that separation that I, I'm going to say isn't possible, as a way to deal with Christ and culture. And that is the um, Christ and culture synonymous, right? That, like everything that happens is totally fine because God made the world, and so let's not worry about it. Uh, there are a couple versions of how that can happen. One is... I belong to the church that has it all figured out. My church's culture is perfect. Everything that we do is great. La, 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 la. Um, and then the other version is, um, the world can't be changed. God has created the world before we were aware. God is in control. So let's not worry, right? Let's not worry about making a difference. Let's not worry about transforming ourselves or others. Things are how they are. 
a couple different versions of offering no challenge, no challenge to culture, no challenge to the world. And that also seems to me to be dissatisfying, to say the least. There are things about myself, there are things about my life, there are things about the world that don't seem to match, that don't seem to match who I want to be, that don't seem to match the God whose love and grace I have experienced. And I don't want to deliberately ignore those things. I don't want to put all my effort into forgetting about them. It says in the first Peter that people are suffering. This letter was written during a time of not quite persecution, but a difficult time for the church that was being written to. They were starting to try and uh, eat meals together, and they weren't praying to the gods of the town. They were praying to God, and, and they were getting a lot of pushback. It was really hard. It was hard in the town to live in a different way. It was hard to be different than their peers, but, but they believed that that was what God was calling them to. And so it was worth it, that conflict with how they had been raised to be, that conflict with what society told them was worth fighting for, was worth it because God does invite us to something better and something different than just how things are. Giving up is no better a solution to this question than separating and denying, right? Um, and in the end, I think they're both insufficient because they forget the fullness of what it is to be human. That a big part of being human is that God made us. Here, sorry, I can hear my, my hair is doing the bad thing that it's not supposed to do. Okay. Um, to be human is to have hair that is messy, right? To be human is to have a body that is fleshy, the, uh, an experience that is weird and where you can't always make what you want to happen happen. And to be human is to have that body hear music and be transported, <laughs> to have that body hug someone so tight and to have that heal your heart. The human experience is one of our bodies and our humanity being an enormous struggle and also an extraordinary gift. We don't have to choose one or the other. We know by our experience that both are true at the same time. And we know by the story of Jesus that both are true at the same time. If God wanted us to reject our bodies, to reject the world, to reject life in favor of some purely spiritual experience, why would God take on a body and come to meet us as Jesus? Why would God take on life if God has so little use for it? Right? But on the other hand, why would Jesus offer so much challenge to his time? Why would he say things that led to him being killed to losing that life that he found so precious unless there was something worth doing in saying that our experiences, the world, how things have been is not something we just put up with but something that we transform, something that we pay attention to, something that we resist and try and put more love into than there was yesterday. We don't want to deny. We don't want to accept blindly. We want to pay attention and say that life is going to be full of things that are God-giving, life-giving, love-giving, and full of things that are God-denying, life-denying, death-denying. And so, of course, we have to pay attention to Monday through Saturday. Of course, we have to pay attention to Monday through Saturday, because how much will we lose if we don't? 
the first thing that we'll lose is the sense that God cares about us at all, right? If we draw this picture of God where God is only present when I'm praying, God only cares when I do a devotional, God exists on Sunday mornings in this room, uh, that is just a really, really tiny God. And I think that God is not going to serve you well in your life. Yeah? Um, there's a lot of reasons why we don't talk about some of the life of the world. Some of it is that it's, it's too hard and we don't know how to change it, right? It feels too unjust, too terrible. To me this week, um, hearing Marlon's story, right? Hearing about uh, <laughs> all the levels of injustice in our system that would put someone in jail for a nonviolent drug-related crime that would have different uh, sentencing structures for drugs based not on the content of the drug, but on the race of the person who is most likely to use it. Uh, the fact that the sentence never ends once it has been unjustly applied, like all of those things feel overwhelming to me. I get why there are churches that say, I don't want to talk about politics, that seems too hard. Yeah. Right? Because it doesn't make us feel good to talk about those things. Uh, but unfortunately, as Peter says, we're suffering. And to not pay attention to that suffering would be to not pay attention to Christ, who is always the one who is joining us in our suffering. Our suffering as a community and our suffering as individuals. There's another reason we leave some things off the table, and that's because we think that they're embarrassing or weird. Um, so I've been a part of a lot of churches, right? We're like, it's not just that we won't talk about politics. We will not talk about money. We will not talk about sex. We will not talk about family conflict, right? Too embarrassing, too strange. Let's not, uh, let's not talk about those things. It'll get awkward really quick, right? But the problem with leaving all of that stuff off the table is that you spend a super big chunk of your life making decisions about sex, money, work, and family conflict. If your church says that those things are things that aren't under God's dominion, that God doesn't care about, then God doesn't care about most of you. And you won't be involving God in most of your decisions. And those are both really dangerous. The first, thinking that God doesn't care about most of what you do, is dangerous because then you don't call on God in the times when you need God. You feel alone and bereft, right, and without resource. The second, where you make a bunch of decisions without thinking about that God might have something to say about sexual ethics or how we spend our money or what kinds of jobs we decide, right, um, is that we might make decisions that don't accord with our values. Yeah? <laughs> that if we think that God doesn't care about whole pieces of who we are, we will leave God out of what we do, and so we will leave the best of the world out of what we do, and we might end up doing things that we wish we hadn't. There's a lot of reasons, I think, to think that God cares about Monday through Saturday. <laughs> that God cares about the community and ourselves. And the biggest, the biggest, uh, is that God made you. God made you. God made me, God made everyone. There is no person who God didn't make. And so if someone says to you, uh, it's only about God if it uses the word God. It's only Christian if it says in the name of Jesus at the end, I would ask them, then who do you think made it? <laughs> who do you think made all of the people? Who do you think made all of the movies and the art? Who do you think made all of the buildings? If it has to be signed God for God to take the credit. <laughs> That's a small God. It's a not very creative God. I have a toddler, uh, so I don't get out a lot. Um, and so I spend a lot of time thinking about church and thinking about God and reading books because that's my job and I feel like I've like done my thing. Uh, but tonight is the Oscars and I love movies and I have seen none of the nominees. 
well, so. And my mom and I watch the Oscars together every year. It's like our thing. And she told me that I wasn't allowed into the party unless I saw one nominee. <laughs> and so I said, okay, which one should I see? And she said, Moonlight. And so last night, I saw Moonlight, right? I saw Moonlight. Uh, is the name of, is like, is Moonlight signed by God in the name of Jesus Christ at the end? No. But Moonlight was made by men uh, who were created by God and created with a spirit of creativity, who were created by God and who were created with a spirit of resilience, who were created by God and had love in their hearts that they found in each other, right? It's based on people's real life experiences. And so when I watched it, I found love. And so when I watched it, I found grace. And so when I watched it, I found hope. Because there aren't things that God isn't a part of because God made it all. And the world is craving to hear that. It's really important that we know that, not just for ourselves, not just for our faith, not just for the way that we engage politics or life, but for the message that we are bringing out to a universe that is craving, craving the knowledge that God gives a shit about what is happening to them. We've had multiple people in our community this week um, who have had deaths, right? Who have baptized babies, who have had breakups. This stuff is happening to us all the time and we wanna know that God is there. We've had people this week who have been kicked out of bathrooms because they are trans, and uh, our government has done a broken and oppressive thing. <laughs> and the temptation is to say the world doesn't matter, but the reality uh, is that today is Transfiguration Sunday. And for those of you who don't know the story of the Transfiguration, the Transfiguration was a day when Jesus went up a mountain with Peter who wrote this letter, who wrote this letter about our suffering and becoming elders and taking responsibility for what the church does in the world. It was a day when Jesus went up a mountain with his friends and they prayed and his body and his clothing were transformed into something we know not what, shiny and beautiful and that no one had ever experienced before. Jesus was transfigured, Jesus was transformed. And before him, beside him, appeared Moses and Elijah, fathers of the faith, creators of the faith. And when Peter saw all of that, he said to Jesus, God came down in a lightning bolt. It's an extraordinary story. He said to Jesus, oh, let's build houses here. Let's stay here forever. This is the spiritual part. We found it. Right? That perfect God place that's only our heads. We found it. Let's stay here. <laughs> and God says, listen to Jesus, my beloved child. And Jesus says, let's go back down the mountain. Right? Let's go to the people. Let's go to the crowds. Knowing God, having that spiritual experience is not an excuse to exempt ourselves from life. It is a call to live ever more deeply into what is happening to us and into what is happening to the world. Because God has written many scriptures, and we love all of them, but the scriptures that God is writing right now are our lives. Are our lives. God wrote you, God knit you, God made you. What happens to you? The injustices that happen to you and the ones that you participate in, the heartbreak that happens when people dump you and the heartbreak you put out into the world, the love and the pain and the death and the joy and the suffering and the responsibility and all of it are scriptures that God has written into you. And if we forget that, we forget everything about the best parts of what life can be.
the world needs this message, we need this message. And so we go forward people saying, life matters and is a gift. And we want to live it relevantly. We don't just want to know here that Monday through Saturday matter. We want to go out Monday through Saturday and say to the world, God is in this.